This is a diet of Brussels. What's going to happen around uh, the second meaningful vote? Uh, if I were being brief in my old form, uh, I'd say I don't know uh, and uh, sketch out briefly why I don't know. However, because we've got a bit more time <clears throat> and because we've got a bit more uh, to go on uh, than uh, a lack of knowledge, uh, I think we can actually probably say uh, a bit more than uh, that. And uh, I think that's probably useful because it's the question that everyone asks me, what's going to happen? And uh, whilst it is tempting to say that I don't know, uh, it's probably not very helpful. Now, just as a, a setup for this, I'm recording this on the Friday afternoon. We've had Theresa May making her speech in Grimsby about how we should just get on with Brexit uh, without really uh, giving a compelling reason why uh, that is either going to happen or why her way of doing it, namely approving the withdrawal agreement, is the best way uh, of doing it. In essence, what she was talking about was the things that she's been talking about for a very long time uh, and uh, reflect the strategy that she's always pursued, namely that uh, if the UK doesn't take uh, uh, the withdrawal agreement that she has negotiated, then the major risk is of a no deal. Uh, otherwise, it is of uh, continued uncertainty. Now, uh, that might sound a, a bit rich from a politician who has uh, twisted and turned on timings and votes uh, for a long time. Uh, which is why I, I've hesitated to, to do this. However, as far as we know, the plan that we will uh, follow is that next week, so the week of the 11th of March, remember that's only a couple of weeks before we're supposed to uh, see the end of Article 50, we are going to have a series of votes. So on the Tuesday, the 12th, there is to be a vote uh, on a motion uh, supporting the adoption of the withdrawal agreement and the associated political declaration. So this is the meaningful vote version two. Uh, and we have talked before about what happened last time, namely the utter drubbing that Theresa May had, uh, which really uh, was at the very worst end of uh, anybody's uh, expectations. Now, if uh, it should come to pass that that uh, meaningful vote is again uh, defeated uh, against the government, which at the moment looks quite certain, then there will be another vote which has to be held by the following day, the 13th, uh, the Wednesday, which will be uh, a vote about whether the UK should uh, leave the EU without a deal. So in essence, the, the other half of Theresa May's proposition, uh, her deal or no deal. Now, the anticipation on the part of government, certainly of Theresa May, is that there is not a majority to leave without a deal. Uh, and certainly that has been one of the uh, very few majorities that seems relatively robust. Uh, and so the, the expectation is that that will uh, also uh, be defeated. So the... Government then would be in a position where uh, 
it would uh, both not have the approval of its withdrawal agreement, but also would not uh, have the approval of Parliament to uh, leave without a deal. Therefore, something else must happen, which then leads us to a third vote, which has to happen by Thursday the 14th, although there are some discussions and some rumours that that might also happen on the 13th, that uh, the uh, Parliament will then consider a motion about whether to ask for an extension to Article 50 to allow something else to happen. Let's uh, just think a little bit about uh, each of those votes and then think a bit about where they end up uh, and uh, what this tells us uh, about everything. The first vote is the meaningful vote. And, and I said, at the moment, the signs do not look good for uh, the government. Uh, for the past couple of weeks, we've had the Attorney General, Geoffrey Cox, travelling regularly to Brussels uh, to uh, negotiate with the Commission about uh, the backstop issue. Now, those talks have not gone well. Uh, even in the coded language of uh, diplomacy, there has been nothing to give any suggestion that there is uh, a resolution uh, or even something that looks like uh, uh, something that Cox can bring back uh, to Parliament. Now, this was, uh, it's important to remember, a key part of how Number 10 was planning to try and deal with the uh, extensive defeat that by getting the Attorney General, who uh, whose advice that uh, the backstop uh, risked being uh, permanent and that it didn't give a way out for the UK unilaterally, emboldened quite a number of uh, Tory backbenchers to vote against the government. Now, if he had been in a position to come back and say, for example, on Monday uh, or on Tuesday, I have now got something in writing that changes my opinion and the backstop is not the, uh, the permanent uh, trap, I use the word advisedly, that uh, I suggested it was before, then that would give uh, quite a boost to the government's position. Um, now... Personally, I don't actually see how this was ever going to work as a plan. Um, the backstop issue has been discussed intensively since the very start of the Article 50 negotiations. The UK and the EU negotiators have gone over it in many more ways than uh, you or I could imagine, in much more detail with due consideration of every possible way of doing it. And the backstop that they came up with was the model that they felt was the least problematic. Now, it's not to say that it isn't problematic, but it's less problematic than any of the other uh, options that might be considered. And importantly, it protects the integrity of uh, the EU single market. And it also... Uh, allows the Good Friday Agreement to operate and it has a, a major concession to the UK in the form of the Temporary Customs Arrangement which covers the whole of the UK and is something that the EU is not particularly happy uh, that it had to concede on but was told that if they did that that would help to get this over the line. 
Coupled to that, uh, it's been clear that uh, Jeffrey Cox has not been able to bring uh, clear proposals or substantive proposals on how to address the problem that the UK has. And importantly, uh, it is clear that there is not really any space for constructive ambiguity. Very explicitly, the point of the backstop mechanism for the EU is to have something that is there as a safety net should other uh, efforts to uh, agree uh, an approach uh, fail. By definition, therefore, it needs to be permanent. It needs to be something that uh, both parties have to uh, agree to stop applying. And those are precisely the things that the UK uh, wants to change or would consider as ways of changing that are putting a time limit, putting a unilateral exit clause, those are the kinds of things that would give reassurance to Tory backbenchers. And they uh, understand enough of the withdrawal agreement to know when and when that isn't possible. So uh, whilst there's talk about adding additional texts, uh, about uh, clarifications, uh, th those things are uh, not going uh, immediately, obviously, to uh, resolve the problem and the impasse. Now, all of that means that come Tuesday, when we have that meaningful vote too, there is likely to be no real change uh, on the table uh, in terms of the text. It will be the same withdrawal agreement, the same political declaration at this stage. Uh, Theresa May will have talks with Jean-Claude Juncker on Monday. But that is unlikely to produce anything of substance uh, either because we're now uh, very late in the day for getting textual uh, changes. What has changed, though, is that there are uh, various shufflings around on the opposition benches that Labour hums and haws about whether it might give a, a conditional approval to the withdrawal agreement in exchange for changes in the language on the political declaration, which might then generate a, a cross-party consensus. Now, that is certainly not uh, certain. Uh, still, Labour policy remains that it would like the government to give up and have a general election to allow Labour to come and take uh, the reins of power. So whether there is much incentive for the Labour leadership to help prop up Theresa May at this point is something that is at best uh, debatable. These uh, factors all suggest then that Whilst you have seen some uh, of the uh, backbench rebels seem to come round more to the withdrawal agreement that they see that time is a real issue, they worry about an accidental no-deal uh, outcome, uh, that is not going to be nearly enough to carry this over the line. Uh, and even if Labour does decide to vote in support of number 10, you are going to find that there's going to be... Uh, a continued uh, problem that not all Labour MPs are going to uh, go with that um, because they also have their uh, hard uh, sceptics and uh, it doesn't actually take that many people uh, to be rebelling uh, on the Labour benches as well as what is likely to continue to be a substantial Tory rebellion to end up in a very finely balanced outcome. Now 
we've basically got three options in this. We've got the most unlikely option, which is that Theresa May wins the vote, in which case we don't do the other two. And then we get into trying to approve the withdrawal uh, bill uh, that implements the withdrawal agreement into UK law. Now, that will be problematic uh, in of itself because uh, rebels on Tory backbenches are unlikely to give up the fight, having lost the meaningful vote. In addition, we have a House of Lords that doesn't have a, a government majority uh, and which seems to be angling for some extensive amendments that are going to cause the uh, Commons some real problems, whether that's on having a second referendum or on changes to the political declaration, or on any number of other things. So that's the most uh, problem-free path. The more likely path is that the government loses uh, heavily, uh, and then we move on to the next votes, and we'll talk about those in a minute. There's a third option, which is that the government loses by only uh, a small number of votes. And by small here, we're still talking uh, about 20 or 30. Now, in that case, there will be a very different dynamic. The government will have demonstrated that it's made a lot of progress in winning over uh, its backbench, and that would give grounds to try and uh, uh, make some further little tweaks that might help get this over the line. Um, in that case, you still probably have to have the other two votes on uh, opposing a no deal and having an extension just because of the timeline that's there. But it'd be a very different atmosphere uh, and a very different uh, Theresa May from the one that is likely to be uh, uh, on display come uh, Tuesday evening, uh, who will again find that there is no great appetite in Parliament for the withdrawal agreement as it stands. Which takes us to the second vote, which is the opposition to a no deal. Now, as I've said, uh, opposing a no deal is a uh, very common currency amongst MPs. There is real anxiety about uh, the collapsing of all existing UK-EU relations and indeed of the capacity of the UK to be prepared for a no-deal scenario. <coughs> it's with that in mind that the government has called that uh, vote, um, that it thinks that this will be a good way of closing down uh, that option or demonstrating that it doesn't have majority support, uh, allowing it then to move on to a question of extension uh, and then something else. However, we've got to recognise that there are a number of dangers in all of this. The first one is the question of what does the government do in terms of whipping its party. Uh, if it does whip, then it risks alienating uh, the uh, members of the ERG who think that no deal is not only acceptable but indeed desirable. Um, if they don't whip, then again it's uh, a marker of a lack of uh, conviction about what policy should be. Moreover, it's a question of what's the balance and the benefit between whipping and not whipping. Not whipping potentially makes it easier to uh, generate a cross-party uh, consensus um, because if no one else whips, then you can uh, free people up and uh, the natural majority would seem to be very much against a no deal. However, 
if other parties decide that they continue to whip and if they see this as an opportunity for uh, causing mischief, uh, which is not unheard of, then that might uh, make things uh, more difficult. And indeed, actually, it might actually make things, if everyone whips, then it might make things simpler, that the number of rebels is likely to be smaller than for the meaningful vote. Therefore, you might be able to get away with it. So, uh, again, real tensions and uncertainties. And one of the things that's really unclear in this second vote is what are the game plans of everyone involved? It may be that uh, the uh, the thought of uh, ruling out uh, a no deal uh, outcome uh, on the Wednesday might incentivize some Tory backbenchers to vote in favour of the withdrawal agreement because they can see that because they'd lose the Wednesday vote, they therefore would end up into extension territory and it's better to leave now on a bad deal than to uh, delay further and to, to risk having some other deal that might be even worse come down the line. And clearly that's part of number 10's uh, intention that here is uh, a way of uh, raising the stakes for everyone that's involved. Now, uh, there's also an uncertainty because some MPs might decide to vote in favour of uh, a no-deal outcome for the reason that that might increase the pressure on everyone to uh, concentrate their minds on supporting the, the meaningful uh, the withdrawal agreement as it stands, as the only existing text, saying uh, we are prepared to do that, we're showing that we are resolved to, to do it, uh, and that this might help drive uh, people to support uh, the, the text on the table. Equally, some MPs might vote in favour of a no deal as a way of trying to extract more concessions from the EU, saying we are really serious about this painful no deal that you say you don't want and that we know we don't want, but uh, we're, we're going to do it and uh, you better give us everything that we want. Now, as we've already discussed, that's unlikely to be successful as a gambit with the EU because the EU uh, feels that that's not it's not its job to sort out the UK's mess uh, and that it should get on uh, and uh, decide uh, one thing or the other. And if it decides to leave without a deal, that's not good, but that at least is a decision. So whilst this no to no deal vote should be the least problematic of the three, it is not without its dangers. And uh, approaching it in a careless fashion might come with some risks. All of which uh, takes us then into the third and final vote of the three, the discussion about extension. Now, uh, the important point to remember here is that an extension is not in the UK's unilateral gift to uh, give. It can ask the EU for one, but the 27 member states uh, have to give their unanimous approval. Now, we've been through this in the last couple of episodes and I'm not going to go through it again, but uh, as it stands, and without seeing the wording of the, emo the motion that would uh, request the extension, it will be somewhat problematic to get that approval for the reason that uh, there's not a clear plan attached to that. 
And this is clearly where those who want to talk about renegotiation or about a second referendum, or indeed a general election, see that they have some leverage, that uh, they will make the argument that this is more likely to be successful if there is a reason for an extension. So uh, on this motion, we're likely to see a large number of amendments which will try to connect uh, the request for an extension with some partic particular activity. Of course, the government will look, have its own view on what that might be, uh, but at the moment it's not really being clear uh, about that. Now, given where we are, as we've discussed, whatever decisions we're reaching, even if the meaningful vote is successful on Tuesday, uh, we probably need an extension because there won't be time to do everything that needs to be done by uh, the 29th of March, uh, because with the best will in the world, I can't really see now how Parliament is going to uh, approve uh, the necessary legislation. So there's going to have to be discussions about extension in any case, but this is symbolically important because it's about the UK making an offer to the EU about how to move forward on this. So this is the vote that matters most for moving things along because it will give some indication about what might be the plan. Um, optimistically, one might say, well, uh, some kind of a majority in Parliament emerges for a particular uh, proposal or proposition that uh, can then be uh, agreed with the EU. What is more likely, though, is that the government will say, well, uh, OK, we'll go and ask for an extension and we will see if we can work something out. Um, what that something could be after all the negotiations and going backwards and forwards that we've had already uh, has uh, demonstrated is that uh, there is very little room for moving things along in a way that's going to change uh, the structure of things in Parliament uh, as it stands. All of this said, the question of an extension, I think, uh, again, likely has a majority in Parliament. Uh, there will be those who will oppose it because they don't think that that's uh, a right thing to do. There will be those who oppose it because it helps to press towards a no-deal outcome, which they want. Uh, there will be those who uh, worry that uh, even a short extension, which is likely to be what is asked for, is uh, the start of a whole series of extensions that take uh, the UK uh, into a very long and uncertain future, um, all of which is going to be problematic. But still, most MPs, I think, recognise that the situation calls for more time and uh, it would be remiss of them to uh, not at least ask for it. And of course, uh, the joy of politics means that the UK can ask uh, with the backing of Parliament, and then if the EU says no, then it's the EU's fault. Now, uh, uh, the politics of blame is uh, a rich uh, and, uh, I would say rewarding, but not really rewarding, uh, part of uh, uh, modern life. But uh, if politicians are talking more about blame rather than about solving problems, then that's usually a bad sign. So again, we want to watch out for the rhetoric that emerges in all of this. So 
to try and pull this together, next week is going to be consequential. It is likely to end up showing that there is still not a majority for the withdrawal agreement as it stands. It's also likely to show that there isn't a majority for leaving without uh, a deal. And it's likely to show that there is a majority for asking for an extension. However, taken together, those three votes don't actually provide a plan of action. And so the big question hanging over all of this is whether either the government can come up with a big plan that is a positive constructive plan, or whether Parliament can uh, impose a positive constructive plan on the government to go and pursue. Now at the moment that looks unlikely. The basics of uh, divided opinion between MPs has been clear for a long time. Uh, we've talked about this at different points uh, on this podcast and uh, movement at this stage seems uh, improbable. Similarly, movement on the path of the EU uh, looks just as improbable that there is no sign or, or good reason for the EU to change its position uh, either. So we run the risk that by this time next week uh, we might have had a whole load of votes, uh, had a whole load of discussion, uh, and we're not actually any clearer about what the next stage is. At that point, nobody really knows what to do. Much is going to depend on the breakdown of votes, on the uh, responses from various actors within the UK, within the EU, and uh, I think we are going to find that uh, there is going to have to be uh, some more uh, hard talking in the UK if this is not to end up in an accidental no deal. Um, one which occurs just because somebody has made a miscalculation. As always, we will be talking about this. We'll be looking back uh, when these votes have happened. If anything else comes up in the meantime, we'll talk about that as well. However, my uh, sage advice to you is go and have a weekend uh, because next week is going to be a doozy. Talk to you soon.